It's Sunday night, and we have been talking about prophecy, uh, Daniel, Revelation, and you have certain chapters in the Bible that are about prophecy. I've been particularly, uh, I hate to use the word, zeroing in on on the word thousand. And I'm going to write it up there again, thousand. Now, you think that's a number. But it's not actually a number. It is a noun. A number would be an adjective. If I said five birds flew over the barn. Adjectives tell which, what kind of, or how many. How many. And this tells how many birds. It would be five birds. Thousand is actually a noun. Noun. That's hard to understand and get a hold of. But thousand is a noun just like dozen. Just like fish. Fish is a noun. And we say fish, we don't know how many that is unless we stipulate how many that it is. If I said the deer ran across the road, well, how many was it? One or 20? Well, that's the way thousand is. In the Greek, in the Greek, they did not have zeros in the first century. They had zeros in Babylon. They had zeros in Egypt. What they had in the world was Roman numerals. One, two, three, four, and so forth. All the way up to... But when they got to a thousand, it was M. It was not one zero zero zero. The men who have studied numbers tell us that particularly people like E.W. Bullinger. Get a book by E.W. Bullinger. E.W. Bullinger. And he'll go into numbers for you. Bullinger. I'll get it in a minute. Bullinger. E.W. Bullinger, he'll give you things about numbers that you never imagined. People like Mr. Bullinger will tell you any multiple of 10, there's a bug up there, 10, 100, or 1,000 is a form of the original number. Therefore, 1,000 would be singular. You have to get to 2,000 to be plural. Whenever you find the word thousand in the Bible, particularly about the thousand years, it says over there in Revelation, Revelation, the 20th chapter. I'm going to say this slow so you can remember it. 20th chapter of Revelation. One chapter, I'm flipping and I'm taking forever getting there. All right. 
In the 20th chapter of Revelation, the Bible says that Satan was bound, and it says in the text, a thousand years. That's incorrect. There's never any indirect articles articles there's never any indirect articles uh, an indirect article would be like a and an those are never in the greek text never they didn't have these singular articles like a and an we have three articles in English. We have the, a, and an. We have that in English. We say, uh, I took a road trip. I ate an apple. But we have, they don't have that. So when it says here in Revelation 20 and 2, and the angel laid hold on the serpent, the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That's not in the text. It just says kilia. That's the word thousand in the Greek. It's not one, two, three. That's not thousand. This is the word thousand in the Greek text. When you look it up in a in an analytical lection, it will tell you it is plural. It's plural because it has to be at least 2,000 or more. I'm reviewing this because I know a lot of people can't remember all this. Now, the whole purpose of the thousand years, it tells you what the purpose of it was. And cast him into the bottomless pit. That's a terrible translation that the translators did. It's not a bottomless hole in the ground. It, the bottomless pit is the word abusos, A-B-U-S-S-O-S. A-B-U-S-S-O-S. It comes from the word bathos. Bathos means a place of knowledge or understanding. And you place the alpha in front of bathos as a negative particle. It translates abusos, and that's the word in the original text. It means a place of no knowledge. The alpha negates the word, gives an opposite meaning. So it means a place of no knowledge. And I keep saying this. I want to say it again to you. This is about the beast and the bottomless pit. In in the, they would call this Mediterranean Sea a place of, it's actually an abyss, it's a place of no knowledge. Only Israel on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea had the knowledge of God. God revealed himself to them and no one else. Nobody got that, not until Acts 2 did he pour out of his spirit on all flesh, which is the red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. So the place of no knowledge is the 
Mediterranean Sea, and that's where the boundary of the beasts, you would find that. In fact, I'll flip it over there. I know y'all probably all got this. Here's the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is in the salmon color here, and the, it's, it is said to have risen out of the place of no knowledge of the bottomless pit because they didn't have any no knowledge of God. It wasn't extended to the Gentiles till Acts, the second chapter. In the last days, I believe that the last days has to do with thousand. In the last days. Let me read something to you again. I've read to you. It's interesting. Parts of speech in the Greek. In English, the definite article is the word the. In the sentence, the student is going to pass. The definite article is defining one student in particular. Indefinite articles. Now, we talked about that. Indefinite articles, which is the, a, and an. Uh, not the. Indefinite articles are a and an. Excuse me. In English, the indefinite article, a, is the word a. In the sentence, a good student works every day on her Greek. The article is indefinite because it does not identify any one particular student. It is indefinite about the person of whom it is speaking. If the word following the indefinite article begins with a vowel, the indefinite article will be an. An apple. That starts with a vowel. Then, article. As in English, the Greek article is generally translated the, because it's only the, no other article. The rule is to translate according to the presence or absence of the article. If an article is present, translate it. If there is no article, do not use the. They didn't have an article there in Revelation, the 20th chapter, when they put 8,000 years. You don't put A in there either. Then, is there no article? You may insert A before uh, the noun if it makes better sense in English. But you better know something about the Bible if you start translating that way. I don't believe the translators knew anything about numbers. I've come to that conclusion after studying numbers for years. I don't believe they knew anything about them. You will soon discover that Greeks do not use the article the same way we do. They use it when we never would, and they omit it when English demands it. So you're going to have to go to study in your Greek. They use it when it, we never would, and omit, it when, and omit it when the English demands it. Languages are not codes. There is not an exact word for word correspondence. Therefore, you should be a little flexible on this point. As you work through the following chapters, I will note some of the differences. Then he goes on to say, Greek often includes the article with abstract nouns such as the truth. And always in Greek, if you have a proper name, they always you'll always find the in there. John 3.16 says, for in the Greek it says, for the God so loved the world. The fact that the is in the original text in John 36 means there is no other God. 
I don't know why the translators didn't put it in there, but they didn't. Then, let me read some more of this. You say, what do we need all these articles for? Because I don't believe the translation of the King James Bible was correct. I've studied it for years, and I see that these translators were very mistaken in a lot of things they did. They would take a, they would take a, a, a definite article and translate it over to a possessive pronoun. His, it's like, and when you look in the when you look in the interlinear Bible and you find that out, you're going, how can I trust those translators? I don't translate them. I go to the original text a whole lot of the time. Then. Absence of the article. There's no article before either the noun or the adjective. Context becomes the guide to translation. That's what I want to show you tonight. Context, when it comes to this word, the, when we're dealing with thousand years. We've already stated that the thousand years, the whole purpose of the thousand years, the purpose of it is what you see there in in uh, in that 20th chapter, the purpose for the thousand years is that third verse. And cast him into the place of no knowledge. It says bottomless pit. I'm going to say what it is. And shut him up and set a seal upon him that he, this dragon, that the deceiver... The word dragon is the word dracon. Don't mean a fire-breathing dragon. Goodness sakes, you people, look up some words. Dracon, D-R-A-K-O-N. It does not mean, uh, it doesn't mean a fire-breathing dragon like you have in English mythology. It's not what is St. George and the dragon. It's the word dracon. It means to fascinate. What people are looking for this day and time, for the end times, they're looking for uh, some fire-breathing dragon, some worldwide Antichrist come on the scene and say, I'm the Antichrist, I'm announcing my coming here, I'm here today. They think there's going to be a pre-trib rapture, and there's not. And then the next day, I don't know if y'all know this, they think a pre-trib rapture is going to come, and the next day there's going to be some, and everybody's going, all the believers are going to be taken out here to meet the Lord in the air, and that's not true, because we're going to be changed at the last trump. There's no pre-trib rapture, and they think everybody's going to be taken out of here. And I was raised in an independent Baptist preacher's home, and they think the next day there's going to be some kind of announcement in the papers. Multitudes are missing, and we don't know what's happened to them, and and. Uh, uh, they all disappeared, and uh, we don't have any idea that they were all Christians. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. That is not true. We're going to be changed at the last trump. There's seven trumps in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. When the seventh one sounds, the mystery of God, which is the church, is complete. And Christ has got one foot on the land, the other one see and says, Time is no more. So if time is no more, that's not a preacher of rapture. It'll be at the seventh trump, and there's no thousand-year reign because time is no more at the signing of the seventh trump. Now, the whole purpose of the thousand years is in verse 3, that he should deceive the nations no more. 
The word nation, ethnos. The word nations and the word Gentile, they're the same word, ethnos. We get our word ethnic from that. That's what it's talking about. Now, what I want to do is show you in this case, there's only one place where the Gentiles cannot be deceived. And it's only a group of Gentiles, and that is God's Gentile elect church. The only place, this is what has to be 2,000. The A is not there. The context will tell it. And the context is this. That from Christ, uh, that from Adam until Jesus, the Gentiles were blind. They were not allowed to see on the whole. They were in darkness. Remember, when you see darkness, the word prison means the division of day and night and light and darkness. Light and dark. And they were in the dark. Darkness is the same thing as no truth. They had no truth. God only revealed himself to the descendants of Adam all the way down to Noah, all the way down to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And God didn't blind Israel's eyes until Jesus came into Jerusalem right there in that 19th chapter of Luke and said, "You, if you'd have known in this thy day the things that belong to thy peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes and the Jews are blind. Jesus comes in Jerusalem, dies as a Passover lamb, Passover lamb, and there's 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. At the Pentecost of Acts 2, Peter says, this is that, not Peter, Joel says, this is that, well, Peter did say that, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, the last days were here at Pentecost in Acts 2. This was in the neighborhood of 33 to 35 A.D. Some say it was around 35 A.D. I'll just give you the benefit of the doubt and say it was 35 A.D. So the last days are here right now as of Acts 2. The scripture says over here in Revelation, excuse me, in the 90th chapter of Psalms, the 90th chapter of Psalms, you know, go over with me, Psalms 90. Verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. There were three there were four watches in the night, and the scripture says it was just like a watch in the night. As far as God is concerned, from six to Six to nine, that's the evening watch. Nine to twelve, that's the midnight watch. 
and then from 12 to 3 in the morning, that's the cock crow watch. Cock crow. They sounded a little trumpet. It sounded like a rooster crowing, going da da da. And then you had from 3 to 6 in the morning, the morning watch. And he says, the scripture says that a thousand years is just like a watch in the night, just like a, to God it's like three hours, it's no time at all. Now, now I want you to go over here with me to, we're talking about the last days. Look here at Second Peter. You can see in this, in Second Peter, that the that the that a singular article is called for. Look here in Second Peter three. Second Peter three. I'm talking about thousand. Second Peter three. I'm gonna go ahead and give you the the situation here. I'm gonna lay it out to you. Uh, this second epistle, beloved, verse 1, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Well, who is he writing to? In chapter 1, verse 1, he's writing to those of like precious faith. He's only writing to believers. He's not writing to anybody else. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your, your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may, may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first of all, that there shall come in the last days. We're talking about the last days. The last days started here at least no later than Acts 2, because that's what Peter said, that in the last days, scoffers, will come walking after their own lust. The word scoffer is empizo, E-M-P-A-I-Z-O. E-M-P-A-I-Z-O. When I put these words down, I'm putting down the Greek from the original Greek text. We have that in an interlinear Bible. Empizo. These scoffers are jeering at us deriding us, making fun of us, and saying to us, you've got to understand the scoffers, they're saying to us, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is this promise, this epangelo, epagglia, epagglia, where is this epi, ep is a short for epi, means covering, to cover, A-G-G-E-L-O-S. Angelos is the word angel or messenger. Throw away your word angel and just put messenger in there. Messenger. Where is this promise of God superimposing the coming of Christ upon you? You don't have any chance, believers. He's not coming for you because he never has come yet. 
and they're laughing at us and making fun of us saying where is this promise of your messiah's coming where is his parousia where is his physical arrival he keeps you keep saying he's going to come for you and he hasn't come yet and they say where's this promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep since the ancients have fallen asleep all things are continuing the way they've always continued since the beginning of the creation and they're willingly ignorant because it hasn't for this they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water there was a great flood it hasn't always continued the same whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished and they're saying you don't have any hope your God has never come for you and he's not ever coming but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment the time's going to come when this old earth is going to be going to go up in fire and it's going to destroy everything all the elements and perdition of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing now remember we're answering the scoffers concerning our welfare we're answering the men making fun of us this does not include them be not ignorant of this one thing that the day of the lord is that the that one day is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day now this can very well be singular here because of the context of it and i'll get into that the lord is not slack concerning his promise who are we talking to we're answering the scoffers aren't we we look at the scoffers and we say god is not slack concerning his promise you ask where this promise of his coming where is this epangelia and god is not slack the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but he's long suffering toward us it's only been two thousand years or two days that's a maximum it's been in god's calendar not willing that any should perish is this including the scoffers no we're looking at them and say our god is not slack concerning his promise how men count slackness it's been two days since he's been here he's not slack toward us and he's not willing that any of us you scoffers should perish but all of us his elect will come to repentance but not you because any is a pronoun all pronouns have to have an antecedent an antecedent is a word that every pronoun refers back to he or she or it it'll point back jim is the pastor he he the antecedent of he is jim and the and the gender has to match the gender has to match the original 
word. If it's a if it's a noun or a pronoun, it has to be he, not her, not she, not it. So the antecedent of of any, he's not willing that any should perish. The antecedent is us word. He's long suffering toward us, and he's not willing that any of us should perish while you scoffers are making fun of us. God doesn't want to save it. If this is talking about anybody and he's not willing that anybody in the world should perish, then he's contradicting himself when he says he's got vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. These as natural brute beasts are made to be taken and destroyed. Made is the word genos, and it means born. They were born to be destroyed in hell forever. Now, the Lord is not slack. He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any of us should perish, that all of us should come to repentance. And that's what it says in the interlinear Bible. Now, so a day is the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. I'm going to kind of be jumping through some different places in the Scripture. Let's go back over here to Job, not to Job, to Joel. To Joel. Go to Joel in the Old Testament. Joel. We'll say Joel Amos, Sopadai, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. All right. Now, Joel is a prophet of God. He's prophesying against Israel. And he says these words in the Old Testament, and Peter says them in the New Testament in Acts 2. Now, in verse 28 of chapter 2, Joel, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh would be God has limited all through the Old Testament. He has limited his his calling to the Jewish flesh from Adam down to Jesus. And no one outside this bloodline, uh, the word Noah's son was Shem. Shem carried on the promise. Shem, we get the word Shemitic from Shem. And in his lineage is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, and that's Israel. And only Israel has the truth in the Old Testament. God would say, don't give this truth to the Gentiles. That's why Peter had a hard time in the New Testament accepting the calling to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and take them the truth. Now, let's read this here. It shall come to pass afterward. After what? After the Old Testament times, but it'll be in the last days. That I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Is the Holy Spirit any different in the Old Testament than it is in the New? No. The Holy Spirit is truth. John 14, 15, 16. John 15, 26. John 16, 13. 1 John 5 and 6. The Spirit is the truth. Is truth. The Spirit is the truth. So let me put it this way. It shall come to pass after that I will pour out of my truth upon all flesh, which be red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh, no longer limited to the Jews only. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, 
and your young men shall see visions and upon the servants and on the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit what's the deal there God only gave his truth in the Old Testament to certain mature prophets he didn't pass them out to handmaids and, and servants he said the time's going to come well I will pour it out on everyone on the world and only the elect will believe and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth and blood and fire and pillars of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come what does that mean does that mean the moon actually going to become blood no that was an ancient saying for something to become blood meant to die and if the moon dies what gives the moon life the sun gives the moon life and it only has light because the sun is shining on it what he's saying in here when the moon dies and it's no longer light that means it's pitch dark and it's talking about a spiritual darkness where there's no truth and it looks like we're in a world we're headed toward the end of time i i believe that we're headed towards the end because of several things i believe the end is not far away i don't see how it could be the i believe the apostasies here the apostasy this is one of the most important things apostasy is the word falling away falling away and paul said in second thessalonians the third chapter verse two he said the day of the lord will not come except to come a falling away first the word is apostasis and it is a construction of apo meaning a removal of stasis stasis means to stand or be upright and in morphemes which means word shapes stasis has some word shapes one of the word shapes is staros or starao staros is the word cross and starao is the word crucify there has to be removal of the daily cross and that's not going on in the pulpits today at all i don't hear any preachers talking about uh about the daily cross crucifying self i don't hear anybody talking about crucifying self and jesus said if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily you have to be dying to go to heaven you have to have a cross to go to heaven you can't go any other way you're not going to heaven without a daily cross that's all there is to it you get a daily cross by telling people truth tell them christmas is pagan tell them about a daily cross tell them that predestination is true and people will get angry at you when you tell them these truths this is one of the main reasons we're close to the end of time 
I believe time is measured out. Very well could be, in, and this has to do with the Gentiles not being deceived any longer. The only place in the Bible where the Gentiles were deceived over here all the way till Jesus. In Acts 2, Peter says, This is that which was spoken up by the prophet Joel. Look over there. Look over there in Acts 2. I believe we have to be close to the end. I don't see how it can be far away. When everything's going to end and the earth, the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. What kind of persons are we to be in all holy conversation in God and this? Look over here in, where did I say we were going? I just, Acts 2. Yeah, Acts 2. Look here. This is where Peter's preaching. And uh, he says here in, in verse 17, It shall come to pass in the last days. This thing that's going on here is the last day, saith the Lord. I will pour out of my spirit on our flesh. Uh, let me read 16. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, and it come to pass in the last days, I will pour out of my truth upon red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and they didn't prophesy in the Old Testament. God take an old prophet like Samuel and have him prophesy. He had to be seasoned. He had to know the truth. God says, now your sons and daughters can prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Vision means to have insight. And your old men shall dream dreams the way it used to be. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days, which are the last days, my spirit will be upon all flesh and they shall prophesy. Now, he even talks about the sun turning to darkness in verse 20. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood. That means the moon will die because the sun is not shining. When we have a dark night out here and... We have a, there's no full moon, there's no partial moon, and it's pitch dark. The sun, the moon is dying uh, in a sort of way. Let me give you that again over in Micah. In Micah, at the end of time, when time begins to wind down, these things are going to happen. Look here in Micah, the third chapter. Uh, Jonah, Micah, all right. Micah 3, this is very figurative language, verse 5. Uh, well, he says, Israel is going to cry unto me, and I will not hear them in verse 4, because they've gone after idol gods. Then he says in verse 5, Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people to err. These are false prophets, but they're prophets in Israel. Make my people err that bite with their teeth and cry peace. And he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against God. Therefore night shall be unto you that ye shall not have a vision because I'm going to shut off the vision of the prophets 
and it shall be darkened to you, and ye shall not divine, and the sun shall go down on the prophets. In other words, that's saying the sun or truth will quit shining, and the day shall be dark over them. That's the same thing as the moon turning to blood. There's hardly any truth out here going on in the world. Nobody's talking about predestination. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Without predestination, nobody's going to heaven. No one. Because there's none that seeketh after God. If he doesn't preordain himself a family, chase them down, turn them around and say, look at me. Repentance means to be turned and think differently. No one's going without repentance. You can't go to heaven without repenting. You have to be thinking about God and his truth. You're not going otherwise. And the only thing that can get you into heaven is God turning you and causing you to be willing to listen to his word. You cannot turn yourself. And predestination is true. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ and to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. That's why he does it. He's, he says, having predestinated us unto the adoption, huiothesia, H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. Adoption it is a form of huios and tithome. Tithome means to place, and huios means sons. If he adopts you, you don't place yourself in the kingdom. He has to adopt you and you have to obey him because he says, you're not mine if you're not obeying me. Whom the Lord loveth, he chastens and scourges every son he receives that we might be partaker of his holiness. He said, if you don't obey me, you're a bastard and no son of mine. Get away from me. I tell you, I have a fear of a God like that. So, he says over here in Acts 2, God's going to pour out of his spirit in the last days. Here's what I believe the last days are. I believe they're here no later than Acts 2. And if a day of the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years in one day, Acts 2 is approximately 35 A.D. Of course, Jesus dies right then. I'm giving a little slack on that just in case somebody wants to argue about when he died. It was 33 to 35 A.D. We're not exactly sure. We have no reliable calendars. We don't know when Jesus was born. Remember the, the, the monk who, trans, who redid the calendar, a one who called Dionysius, He redid the calendar in order to amalgamate and to amalgamate the feast of Saturn, excuse me, Easter, Easter, and he wanted to amalgamate Easter along with the the sun worship in the ancient world. Easter is Ishtar. It was the resurrection of Tammuz in the ancient world. It has nothing to do with Jesus. He didn't want to amalgamate these, so he redid the calendar. And we are somewhere in the neighborhood, they say. We're not sure. We're somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 to 17, 18 years off. We don't know exactly when we're living. But we know that if a death of the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. 
And the last days were here in Acts 2. If that's when they begin, because in the last days, God's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh. That would take us up to, and I'm not setting a date. I'm saying I believe God has got these things arranged. 2035. When we had 2000, that wasn't the year 2000, not according to our calendars. That was they said, when Y2K comes, I had people say, Y2K comes, what's going to happen when everything explodes? I said, it's not going to explode. I said, nothing is going to happen like that. And people say, they'd ask me in 1998, when 2000 comes uh, and all the computers quit working around the world, I said, that ain't going to happen. We're already past 2000 as far as our calendar is concerned. I don't know if the Lord will come in somewhere in that neighborhood, but what if we're living in 2025? We don't know where we are. We got 2018 on our calendars, but that don't mean anything because 2,000 years from that Acts 2 Pentecost would be there. I don't know if that's the way it's going to work, but many of the ancients believe that. Many of, in fact, in the Epistle of Barnabas, he teaches that in the Epistle of Barnabas. A lot of the ancients believe that six, six is the number of man. And man works for six days. Six days and the seventh he rests. The only place Gentiles aren't fooled, there is no preacher of rapture. When he puts one fool in the land, the other one sees his time is no more. It's over. There won't be a pre-trib rapture because we're going to be changed at the last trump, at the seventh trump. When the seventh trump sounds, we're going to be changed. I don't know when it's going to happen. I would not be surprised if this wasn't the neighborhood, if we actually knew what year we were living in. I just don't believe God is haphazard in his measuring out last days. don't believe that. Every time you see it, you see it all through the Old Testament. Let me show you something in Acts 2. Not Acts 2. Isaiah 2. Well, I'll get something on the mind. Can't get my mind off it. Isaiah 2. And this has to do with, I believe the Lord is going to come not too far down the road. I feel bad for the young people in America today because this, this is very confusing to them. and They don't know how to deal with this. All I can say to the young people is, pray, Lord, give me strength to understand your will and your word. I I really feel sorry for all these kids out here, the teenagers. They don't have a chance with the kind of world we're living in, do they? And he says over here in Acts 2, this goes along. Remember, Satan is bound, Dio. Forbidden from deceiving the Gentiles, the nations. It says nations, but the word Gentile is ethnos. That's the same word as nation. So there has to be some place in time. There's no thousand-year reign. The end of time comes at the signing of the seventh trump. And Jesus said, there's no more time when... I sound that seventh trump. No more time. Well, there can't be a thousand years. I think that's time, isn't it? 
There can't be a pre-trib rapture. That's time. Because if there's a pre-trib rapture at a seventh trump, you've got you got seven years to go. There is no pre-trib rapture and there is no thousand-year reign. <coughs> the supposedly thousand years is 2,000 years so that the Gentiles will not be deceived. The only place in time from Adam <coughs> to the end where Gentiles will not be deceived is this 2,000-year period that we're in right now. It's kind of a scary thing, isn't it? I'm old. I'm tired. I'd as soon Jesus come tonight. I know there's a lot of people not prepared for him to come. Now, let me give you some more on this. Look at this in Isaiah, the second chapter. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house. What is the mountain of the Lord's house? What mountain was the temple of God built on? Zion. That's the mountain of the Lord's house. And the Bible says we come to Mount Zion, which is a heavenly Jerusalem, the church over in Hebrews. The church. Look over there at, oh, keep your place there because we're going to look over there at Hebrews. And this is where we come to, Mount Zion. So this would be a picture of spiritual or heavenly Jerusalem. And the heavenly Jerusalem is us over here in the in the ninth chapter. No, excuse me, the eleventh chapter. I'll get it in a minute, not the eleventh chapter, the ninth chapter. What am I thinking of? All right. In Hebrews, in Hebrews, the scripture says, well, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Sometimes my mind gets mixed up. All right. Hebrews, what? Nine twenty-two. I can't hear you. 12. Oh, twelve. I, sometimes I get those things mixed up in my head. Twelve. But you're coming to verse twenty-two. You're coming to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's the church, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn. So heavenly Jerusalem is the church. Back over to Isaiah 2. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, the mountain is Zion, the Lord's house is us. Christ is the son of his own house, whose house are we. And this is in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains 
and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. All goyim. The word in the Old Testament for nation is goyim. The word Gentile in the Old Testament is the word goyim. I am is plural. Goy is singular. That's the Gentiles. So all the Gentiles will flow unto heavenly Jerusalem. It doesn't mean every individual Gentile. It means the predestinated elect of the Gentiles in that time period are going to flow to heavenly Jerusalem, the church. And that'll be in the last days of the last 2,000 years. I'm not setting a time. I'm just saying this sure does look strange, doesn't it? It sure looks... It's time for us to be serious about serving God. You may not have that long to live. We've got an apostasy going on. Got the preachers lying to the American public, lying to the world. They've got tongues, which is a lie. They've got faith healing, which is a lie. There's no such thing as faith healing or tongues. You've got two words, and they don't even care what they mean. You have the word gloss and dialectos. This is the word tongues. They had a different dialect in every city, state. And glossa means foreign language. A glossary of a book is words that are foreign to the average reader. And they have a glossary in the back of the book usually. And you go over there and find out what the word means. It has nothing to do with the Pentecostal jibber-jabber. And that's what it is. The Pentecostal, I believe, I believe the Pentecostal charismatic movement is one of the biggest apostate movements in the history of the church it's got everybody gravitating to it It does in south america doesn't it they're all gravitating to the catholic church and the catholics are gravitating to the pentecostals and vice versa but the pentecostalism and the and the charismatic movement is a movement that appeals to the flesh you can be rich God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be healthy. That is an out-and-out lie. Every time the Bible says, Thy faith is made thee whole, whole is the word sozo, it means saved. Faith does not heal, it saves. I want to say it again. I've said it a thousand times. If you're a Pentecostal and you're wound up in that movement, they'll have you believe that you can go to church or go to a Benny Hinn concert, that's all it is, and that he can lay hands on you and heal you if you're 30 years old. But if you're 85 or 90, and you've got pulmonary disease, and you've got heart disease, he can't help you. If he lays his hand on you, you're going to die anyway. Because when you get to be 90, you die of a disease. Everybody that dies of natural causes dies of a disease. Good grief. I didn't say that. Every doctor in town will tell you that. Every time I go to a doctor, I say, let me ask you something. I've asked them several times. When a man dies of natural causes, what do you die of? And they'll say disease every time. Or like what? Well, pulmonary disease. He gets pneumonia and dies. Why is it the two greatest faith healers in the history of America, Oral Roberts 
and Kenneth Hagin, who started that charismatic movement here, why is it they both died of a disease? One died of heart disease, the other died of pulmonary disease. Why didn't Jesse Duplantis go in there and whack them in the head and heal them and raise them off of their deathbed? And they say, well, and when Jan Krause died, that fool Joel Osteen stood down in Texas, well, she just lost, her faith got weak. You idiot, she was 79 years old, 80 years old, and she was old. She lost her faith, my foot. Whatever my foot is. Now, the last days is here. I believe we're in it. We're approaching the end. I don't know how far down the road. I don't know if I'll be dead when it comes. I don't know, but I believe everybody that's a believer needs to get serious about God. If you're ever going to serve him, it needs to be now. I have don't beat I don't cut any slack on that. I teach on the end of time. You gotta teach on Matthew twenty four. You gotta preach on uh Mark, the fourteenth chapter, excuse me, thirteenth chapter. You gotta teach on Luke twenty first chapter. You got to teach on the fourth chapter of First Thessalonians and many others to see that we're living real close to the end of everything. I'm not going to set some time. My father used to set 1953 as the time Jesus was coming back. I think he was a little off there, wasn't he? He didn't know anything about time factors in the Bible, though. I don't believe God just measured all this out for no reason. But I do believe he has a measurement of time that's exact. Very well could be the 4,000 years. Look over here. And so he's saying all nations will flow to the church. But that will be the predestinated elect. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord house. Remember, a mountain was a capital city. And the mountain of the Lord's house was Jerusalem or Zion. Let us go up to the church. It's, that's very figurative language. Can you see that? Can you see that in this chapter? This is the same thing as Satan not being able to deceive the Gentiles for a 2,000-year period in the last days. I believe we're in it. I believe we're getting close to the end of everything. I certainly hope so. We're getting close to the end of my life. I'd just soon Jesus come back today. I'd soon he come back right now. And when he's ready to take me out of here, I'll say, well, today's the day he's coming for me. Now, and then he says, and many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. That's us. That's the church. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge the ethnos, the nations, the Gentiles, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. What does this mean? Jesus said, If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Christians are not supposed to be fighting anyone. They'll beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks, and nations shall not, Gentile believers shall not lift up sword against 
Gentiles, neither shall they learn war anymore. We don't learn war. I used to be a right-wing conservative Republican. I thought we should go to Vietnam and kill all the commies over there. I don't believe that anymore. I believe America is as wicked a nation as it's ever existed because of all their money and their greed and their... I don't believe in any of the presidents. They all lie, every one of them. You think a man that makes a billion dollars like Donald Trump has ever cheated anybody? How about everybody ever come in contact with? And he's a better businessman than most people. Trust him? No. George Bush Sr. nearly makes Donald Trump look like he's poverty-stricken because he's worth several billion dollars in oil back years past. Do I trust George Bush? No. Do I trust Ronald Reagan? No. Do I trust Do I trust Bill Clinton? Somebody said one of the big talking heads said, "Well, we don't mind if a man cheats on his wife as long as he don't cheat on his country." You think a man that cheats on his wife won't cheat on his country? What idiocy. And if there was ever a womanizer, it was him and John Kennedy and the rest of them. One of the guys said the only reason that that uh, Richard Nixon didn't cheat on his wife, he was too ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get no woman to cheat with him, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he did. Trust those people? Not on a bet, I wouldn't. Now, look over in Micah 4. The last days are here. We're in it. I believe we're in the last 2,000 years. We're close. I don't know when the... I believe the last day started in Acts 2 because that's when God extends the truth to the Gentiles, me and you. No Jews here. A Gentile is everyone that's not a Jew. But we're Jews of the heart, spiritual Jews or spiritual Israel. Look at Micah 4. You have to learn to look at the figures of speech in the Old Testament. Micah 4. I'll get it here in a minute. Micah 4. This is saying a lot of the same thing as Isaiah 2. Verse 1, but in the last days, I believe it's the last 2,000 years, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the capital cities of the world. Remember I read to you, Adam McClendon and Strong, you look up mountain, the first thing it says is talking about capital cities. So the mountain of the Lord's house is going to be established in all the capital cities of the world. Mountain was a term, it was a figurative term for the head of systems. It was a ruling part of a system. The Lord shall be established in the top of the, what if I the capital cities of the world, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow to it. The Gentiles, the Gentile elect will flow to it, because God has bound Satan, keeping him from deceiving the Gentiles, for a 2,000 year period. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of God of Jacob. We are God's house, aren't we? 
the inner sanctuary was called the house of God because God would come down out of the Shekinah glory cloud. He would sit up on the Ark of the Covenant and rule Israel from there. And here's the veil. This was called the house of the Lord. Let's read it out of Hebrews 3 and 6. Look at Hebrews 3 and 6. Hebrews 3 and verse 6. Hebrews 3. Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? That's what it says. Christ is the son of his own house. We are the house of God. We are the inner sanctuary now because he sprinkled the Ark of the Covenant and our hearts are sprinkled. It boils down to us being spiritual Israel for the last days of the last 2,000 years. We're the Gentiles. We're the ethnos or the nations that cannot be deceived for a 2,000-year period. I don't know why nobody else sees this. They look at 1,000 and think it is 1,000. A lot of the scholars were looking for the coming of the Lord in 1,000 A.D., and we're out in the middle of the uh, ancient world. He wasn't coming in 1,000 A.D. Things hadn't been fulfilled yet. There has to be the great apostasy falling away. Now, look over here in... in uh, go back. We want to look at last days. Go back to Genesis. Genesis, the... I read it this morning. The... 50th, the 49th chapter, Genesis 49. You have to keep remembering, the year 2000 wasn't the year 2000 as far as true time is concerned. And you can't start measuring the last 2000 years from Jesus. You got to measure it from Acts 2 this is that was spoken about the prophet Joel, that the last days are here. And God is pouring out of his spirit on all flesh as of here till the end of time. And it looks like the eyes and the ears, y'all don't play while I'm preaching. It's very, very distracting. Then, uh, Look over here in John six thirty nine. John six. Oh wait a minute, I go into Genesis. Genesis the Genesis the uh, forty nine, yeah. Genesis forty nine. I got so many things on my mind I can't remember them all. And Jacob called unto his sons, verse 1, and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. He's telling them what's going to happen to them in the last days, but it's going to include us also because we are spiritual Israel, aren't we? That's what we are. Look back over here at John 6.
There is no difference between the Old Testament and the New. They're saved the same way we are. Noah was saved by grace through faith. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. He did the will of God. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord there in Genesis. Look here in John 6. Do you think these words last days were put here because God didn't have anything else to say? I believe he means the last 2,000 years. I don't know that he's coming in 2035. It can't be far down the road, can it? And if we're not living right on the calendar, we may be right at the last end of time. It may just be a year or two or three or four down the road. I just don't believe that this nation is so cold towards God. You tell them the truth, and they get mad when you tell them Christmas is Christ's message. Paganism. I figured that out as a little boy. Looking at the TV, and the Pope was on the TV, and I said, this must be Christ's mass. He says here in John six thirty nine. I'm just trying to introduce you to all these verses on the last days and what they're for. They are so the Gentiles cannot be deceived and led astray. It doesn't mean all the Gentiles. Remember the word synecdoche. Synecdoche means a part of something is the whole. Synecdoche means so a part of Israel be the whole. If there's only a few going to find the truth, and that's what the Bible says, then a part of the church would be the whole of Israel. Or just a few people would be the whole, the entire whole of Israel. Do you see what I'm saying? If just the ones here were believers, that would be the whole. But there are people around the country that believe and we will be the Gentiles that cannot be deceived for the last days. Now, John six thirty nine, six thirty nine, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Day. Let me show you something that's really interesting. Go back to Hosea. I believe it's the sixth chapter. I haven't used this in a long time. Hosea. Hosea, the fifth chapter. To introduce it, I've got to go back to the fifth chapter. In verse 8, Hosea is preaching against Ephraim, northern Israel, because they have, through Ahab, they have brought this sun and tree worship into Israel. Blow ye the cornet in Gibeah, and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at beth after thee, O Jacob. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. That's northern Israel, because they brought in all this sun and tree worship, was later on called Christmas into Israel. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known 
that which shall surely be. And the princes of Judah were like them that moved the bound. The word bound is the word gibul. G-E-B-U-W-L. In the New Testament, that word is the word horas, which is a form of horizo. Horizo means boundary of light. And what they did, they moved the boundary of Israel to take in the gods of Egypt, to take in the gods of Syria, to take in the gods of of Baal in the grove, to take in the gods of what we call Lebanon, which was Baal in the grove, because Jezebel brought it into Israel by marrying Ahab. So this is talking about that very thing. And he says, Ephraim has moved the bounds by taking in the gods of the nations around them. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon Ephraim. Remember, Ephraim is northern Israel because God gave the authority to Ephraim and all of Israel because Ephraim was the second-born son of Joseph, and Joseph is in charge. But it was through Ephraim, or northern Israel, that they brought in this son in tree worship. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandments. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth and to be and to the house of Judah as rottenness. God says, I'm going to eat Ephraim alive, but I'm going to do it with the Assyrians. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then when Ephraim in into the Assyrian and sent to King Jerab, yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. The wound was idol worship. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion and as a young lion to the house of Judah, and I even I will tear and go away. I will take away and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense. How long is it going to take Ephraim to acknowledge their sin of going after this fire and tree worship? Till the end of time. And seek my face in their affliction, they will seek me early. Now look here at chapter 6. Come and let us return unto the Lord, Ephraim is saying. Well, that hasn't happened yet. They fell away from God 2,800 to 3,000 years ago. And they haven't come back yet. They will only come back at the end of time. But notice what he says. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. Talking about Israel. Israel has never repented. Not literal Israel. Spiritual Israel has repented. That's the church. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. Man. In this case... Thousand could be, two thousand could be one day. I've really wrestled with this. Two thousand plus two thousand will be from Adam until Jesus. And the third day 
which would be where we are, he's going to raise up Israel and cause them to repent. That has to be pointing toward the church. And he'll raise us up in the third day. What day was Jesus raised from the dead? The third day, wasn't he? He was raised the third day. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as a rain, as the latter and the former rain on the earth. What he's talking about is the conversion and the repentance of northern Israel. But if they repent, he says, so will southern Judah repent in the last days. Now, I'm wrestling with that to get the full picture of it. Believe it or not, I've wrestled with that for years, years and years and years. I can't put a full understanding on it till later, evidently. I believe the thousand years is very, very important to understand. The thousand years in Revelation 20 is so the Gentile, a group of Gentiles, cannot be deceived. The only place Gentiles in all of time, from Adam unto the end, that Gentiles can't be deceived, it starts in Acts 2. God pours out of his spirit on all flesh to the end of time. I hope you can at least think about these things. Now, look at verse 40, 44. And fifty four forty in John six four excuse me, John six. The words the last days are very important. Most people say the last days started in a hundred years before the end of time. No, that's not true. Oh, the last days started when they started speaking in tongues in uh somewhere in Missouri, Joplin, Missouri area, or they say over in uh uh in Virginia area back in the early 1900s, around 1904. Then it moved to that Azusa church out there in in California. The last days didn't start in 1904, 1905. The last days were here in Acts 2, weren't they? How people can come up and say, we're in the last days because we can see all this stuff going on around us. Well, that's true. But we've built up to this over the last 2,000 years. We're headed down the wire, folks. I believe that with all my heart. Look here in John 6. How much time do I have, Mike? I'm not getting to all this that I want to. I don't have everything wrapped up on this. I wanted to introduce you to the last days so you can see. We very well could be at the end of the last days of the last 2,000 years. I can't see us going for another 1,000 years. I can't see that at all. I can't see going another 20 years. Mr. Uh, what's his name? The scientist that died. Stephen Hawking's. I got some papers that I searched on the internet. He said America doesn't have but a hundred years to get themselves out of trouble. It's not going to happen. 
you read some of these guys and they'll tell you some realities. Go online and look up national debt and they'll tell you there's no way American can come out of this. Impossible. Yeah. To save yeah, to save ourselves. Yeah. We don't need to have our trust in Christ so he can take us to heaven and he can save us. We need to save ourselves in outer space. Yeah, that's what he believed. Isn't that crazy? In John 6 and 40, 6 and 40, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may be ever, have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day, at the very end. I'll come back in clouds there in the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. And we wish alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. We wish alive and survive. There's going to be an attack on the church. And I'm not talking about the Baptist church. I'm not talking about the church of Christ. God's called out people, called to live righteously. We're going to go under attack. And I believe they will kill some of us. They'll tell me, Mr. Brown, you're going to have to stop preaching against other preachers because we've done an amendment to the Constitution and it's no longer legal for you to call down somebody else's belief. Everybody is free to have their own beliefs. But my belief tells me to call down the lying preachers. And I believe that will happen. In 44... In 44, no man can come to me except my Father, which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. He says this all through here, verse 54. Verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Why do you think he said this so many times in here? He said it because... We need to understand when we're living in the last day, this world has lived in the last day since Acts 2, right at 2,000 years ago. I believe we're facing eternity. We're not far from it. I don't see how. The greatest to me, you have Israel has come back. May 14, 1948, become a nation for the first time. They'll fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be thrown down to the Gentiles until the Gentile rule over the Jews is fulfilled. And that's fulfilled. Then there's the apostasy. There's the twisting of the word of God. And there's the last days. Look here in John 11. John 11. You've got this all through the Bible. John eleven twenty four. Martha said unto Jesus, I know that Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, at the end of time, is what she's saying. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection, Anastasis. Feminine gender. Lazarus is a member of the church. I am the resurrection of Lazarus right now and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Look in John twelve forty eight. 
John seemed to use this more than anybody. John 12 and verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. That's kind of sobering, isn't it? And all through here, Hebrews 1. Go to Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 and verse 2. Let's read 1 and 2. It's kind of scary. I used to teach on the last days years ago when I was a young preacher. And I've kind of steered away from it. I don't want to be accused of setting a date and time. I'm not setting dates and times. I say it's very possible that we're heading up to the end of the last days. It looks like it. what's going on in the world. The world's crazy. The preachers are crazy. They don't know the truth. You can look them in the eye, read a verse, and they say, well, that's your opinion. No, you're an idiot idiotes you're ignorant and unlearned you may be stupid stupid means you can't learn by our allogos no word of god here in verse one god who at sundry times which means various uh, times spake in time past unto the father's by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds in these last days they were in them here when Hebrews was written in the first century look at James 5 I'm just kind of giving you some of these verses do I have any time, Mike? Huh? Eight. Look here in James, the fifth chapter. James 5. And read, let's read down to 3. 5. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that you shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. These last 2,000 years has been... In America, this thing has grown into a rich nation. There's just too much money in America for men to be godly. Too much. That's the problem with America. The love of money is the root of all evil. You can get you a, you can come over here and if you got some get up and go, you got some incentive, you go get you an education, go out here and make a lot of money. If you will work at it. In the last days, they've heaped treasure for the last days. This fifth chapter of James is a condemnation against the rich. 
Love of money is the word philagoria. P-H-I-L-A-R-G-U-R-I-A. Philagoria is a form of philos and argory. Philos means an affection for shining. Argory means shining or money. When men want to shine, they want to get a lot of money and buy a lot of stuff, decorate themselves with fancy cars and homes and <coughs> and diamonds and jewelry and say, look at me. First Peter 1 and 5, Peter puts it this way. First Peter 1 and 5. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And that's where we are. And then in Second Timothy 3 and 1, I'm just giving you some of the places where he's talking. Second Timothy 3 verse 1. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. They're here. I believe that before long, men are going to be getting together and getting out in the street, 10 or 15. They're going to all take their rifles with them and say, look, we're going to go out there and kill a bunch of people. It's not just going to be one against a whole lot of people. It's going to be a bunch of people against a lot of us. I believe it's getting worse. Even men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse at the end. We're there, folks. I really feel bad for these young people here. God's not going to stop for them. That's why they need to be taught the truth. All young people need to be taught the truth so they can look to the Lord for their salvation, not to mom and daddy to get them out of trouble. Time will come when mom and daddy can't help. Isn't that right? Here in He says, here's what's going to happen in the last days. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Philotos. Philos and auto. Phil, affection for self. Auto. Covetous. That word covetous is the word philogorous. It's not the common word covetous. This means an affection for silver. Boasters. Proud. Huperephanos means to shine above. God says, I make enemies of those who shine above others. If you want to get a place of position, you want to shine above others. God says, you're my enemy. Blasphemers, blasphemas, to hinder the word of God. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce. This is what's happening in the last days. And it's going on right now at full speed. Despisers of those that are good. Despisers of those that are good. It has to do with hating believers. Traitors. Eddie, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. 
All people want to do is play today. Huh? And not work. Having a form of godliness, a form more faith, shaped like godly, got a steeple in the air across the street. And that's not godly, that's the male phallus. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. Is that not where we are today? That's where we are. In First John two eighteen. Look at First John two eighteen. Right at the end of your Bible. First John two. 18. I've been hesitant a lot of times to set myself up to be condemned by people because of certain things I believe. I believe the last 2,000 years is bringing us right to the end. I don't believe God is haphazard in anything he does, not, in, not even in measuring out time. I don't believe he's haphazard. In First John 2 and 18. First John 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. He knew they were in it here. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. Then he says down there, in verse 22, whoever denies Christ is Antichrist, contradict Christ, and the world is contradicting him by the way they live. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Help us be aware that you're, you're right at the doorstep of coming back and stopping all of this. Thank you for truth. I hope, hope and pray that you'll Strengthen the church and get them prepared for some really hard times that's coming. We'll praise you for everything. Let us your elect, your Gentile elect, because they can't be fooled. Thank you for truth. We'll praise you for it all in Christ's name. Amen. Strengthen us.